This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to uh, start a new series today and um, going to call it Legacy and talk about uh, making your mark and uh, how's your life that you're living, what is it? Really, legacy is that living your life. What does your life leave, you know, for others? But I want to mention uh, something, and this is going to be our theme for the entire year, is moving forward. Everybody say, moving forward. And this is something that we are, are believing as pastors and elders for every single person here at Harvest, Harvest to move forward this year, to make progress not to back up, not to maintain, but to move forward. How many like to move forward? Well, I believe it's a biblical thing and something that God's called us to. In Job 17, verse 9, it says, The righteous keep moving forward. How many in here would say, I'm the righteousness of God? If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ or the righteousness of God in your spirit, so you're accepted by God, you're loved by God, you're valued by God, and you're righteous. And the righteous are to keep moving forward. And to do that, you need to write down some things. You need to write down some, some goals, your vision. If God wrote down his vision, just maybe we need to. That's what that Bible is that you have. That's God's vision. That's his plan. So we need to have a vision. We need to have a plan. Things just don't happen by accident to you. You will not wake up one day and find yourself going to the gym every day and working out. It just won't happen. You have to make a plan. You have to do things. Uh, you have to change some things in order to make those things happen. So write it down. Set out a, a detail or steps to fulfill that plan. And then ask God to help you, and, and he will do it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I really believe that's moving forward right there. Forgetting the past and reaching, moving forward to what God's called you to. You know, forgetting the past... Um, there are some things we're called to remember. You're called to remember those victories or when God intervened in your life. You bring to memory how you beat the bear and the lion. You're, you're bringing to memory those place, places where God brought you peace even in the midst of the storm. But we're to forget those things that are hindering us, that are speaking to us, doubt and unbelief, that are speaking to us that will always be in this in this holding pattern or will always hit the ceiling or whatever it is, we're to put those to the past and we're to move forward and look ahead. In the next verse, it says in verse 14, I pursue, or let me just say, I move forward looking towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we're going to make progress. You know, I, I heard... Uh, uh, a saying that everyone wants to make progress, but no one likes construction barrels. 
You ever heard that? I thought it was really good because, yeah, we want the highway, we want it to be repaved, we want it to be expanded, but we complain about the construction barrels, about the inconvenience, that we have to wait, that there's more traffic and all this, but you have to have that, go through that in order to have the progress, in order to have the expansion, the new paving. And you have to take some steps, you have to make some changes that is not always convenient or comfortable in order to get to where you want to get to and what God has for you. So I want to talk about legacy. And let me give you a definition for legacy. It means money or property bequeathed to another by will or something handed down from an ancestor or a predecessor or from the past. And my question to you, what is your legacy? When people think of your life, what do they think about? Do they think about uh, God? Do they think about integrity? What do they think about? Do they think about a person of love, a, a generous person? What is the legacy that you're leaving? If you were to go to your funeral right now, what would it look like? Would it just be a couple people there? Would it be people saying, oh, thank God that he's gone? <laughs> or what would it be? What would be the legacy? We all, we all want to make a difference, but what kind of difference are you making? What kind of legacy? What are you leaving behind? You know, the Bible speaks in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Just because you're in a great house which you are because you're in God's house, doesn't mean that you're honorable. You could be dishonorable. It's our choice. We choose what kind of vessel we'll be, what kind of honor we will bring to God. So let me put it this way. You choose your legacy. You choose, make a choice by living what you're living every day. You're making a choice what kind of legacy that you're leaving to those that will follow you. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, from the Amplified Bible, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it is laid up. Now, financial wealth is good, but let me say this, if, if it's financial wealth alone, it has no eternal value, it means nothing. Because you can't take that with you. You can't take that with you into your eternity. It has no value. The best inheritance, the best legacy which you can leave is a legacy of faith, a legacy of trusting God, a, a, a legacy of, of a good name, a good reputation, of integrity, of trusting God in the good times and the bad times, trusting God and looking to Him. What about a legacy of prayer? Your children seeing you praying. What about a, a legacy of a good marriage that your children see the way marriage is meant to be? What kind of legacy are you leaving? The best legacy would be a financial blessing a spiritual blessing, 
an emotional blessing, a good name, a legacy of faith, be all these things together. I believe you can have the whole package. But if I had to choose one, it'd be a spiritual blessing because it's eternal. But see, we have people fighting and getting upset over something that's temporary. They're in fights and squabbles and families break up over financial things that are temporary that have no eternal value. Now, we know that you can bring eternal value to wealth by putting it in the gospel and using that money to make friends of the kingdom to bring them into the family of God and you can take something that is temporal and change it into something that's eternal. Wow. Using your money to bless the, the kingdom of God, to build the house of God, to build the family of God. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Generous, faithful to God. That's what we want to leave. Legacy speaks of living a life that outlives you. Really, to be leg legacy-sighted is to be long-sighted, not short-sighted. To, to live a, a life-minded of legacy is to have a plan and to be long-range in your thinking. Jesus was long-range in his thinking. You're God. Think about it. Before the foundation of the world, he saw us. The plan was laid out. God is a God who is multi-generational. He doesn't just look at, at one. He keeps going down. He looks at generations because he wants a legacy of faith. He wants us to build upon building upon building. I, I want my children to build on my ceiling of faith in God. God wants us to have a legacy in our family of serving God. And that thing builds because you affect your children. You affect your grandchildren. It affects their children. The effect keeps on going. A generational blessing is what God wants. And, and next week we're going to look at the, the legacy of a father and the blessing of a father on the family. But today I'm, I'm going to look at the legacy of a church and really, I was thinking, I'm kind of doing it backwards. This would kind of be the last, maybe, in the message on legacy because a legacy of the church is made up the legacy of the men and women of that church and what they're doing. But since we have a, a members meeting today and stuff, I thought I'm going to talk about the legacy of a church, that a church that outlives us, that continues on. God does not want a church to end or to die. He wants it to continue. Listen to this. 90% of church plants fail in the first five years. 90%. And we all know that God wants churches to flourish and to continue. 4,000 to 7,000 churches die every year. I mean, that's a lot of churches. Why do churches die? And there's several different opinions, but they really, I'm, I've captured a few that they all say. 
One of them is leaders lack vision or fresh vision. Looking at the past instead of looking through the windshield. They're living in the past. And they're, they're not getting that fresh vision. That's what I love about January, that I can get quiet before God and he can put fire back to vision, that he can rekindle the flame of passion for him and his house. He can rekindle that in our hearts. After we've overloaded with all that good Christmas eating and that Thanksgiving eating, we can get quiet before God and we can hear his heartbeat and we can hear clearly now what he has to say. And he can rekindle that, the joy of your salvation once again in your life. And he can speak and tell you. A lot of times I'm listening to him, what are the goals that you have for me this year, Lord? Listening to what he has to say. And some things, of course, we know that we need to do. We need to put those down and we need to do those, those things. Lacking vision. Members become spiritually proud. One thing they found in these churches that fell, they, they start judging others. They start feeling that they're better than everyone else spiritually, and they start judging people, and no one feels welcome to their church. That's one thing I'll say about our church. I always hear people who visit church how friendly, how loving this church is that always blesses my heart and I know it's true because you are a loving people and we don't have judgment in this place because we see everyone through the love of Jesus amen hallelujah but I want to remind you God resists the proud grace comes to the humble so we need to keep that humility the churches that die resist change and are satisfied with status quo. They're not moving forward. They're just staying in place. But see, God's a God of increase. God wants us to, he, he looks at our stewardship to see if we've increased. So we need to keep moving forward and not be satisfied. We can be content inside, but I'm not satisfied. I want to contend for the faith. I want to see more lives transform, more people change, more healings, more people set free, more people coming into the family, being discipled and nurtured and brought up in the things of God. I want to see more marriages saved, more lives touched. We cannot afford to just stay here and say, I'm satisfied, I'm comfortable with the status quo. We've got to reach out and keep moving forward. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. That means change. It's vital to change. It's necessary to change. God is an unchanging God, but he uses change in us. That's what repentance is, to change course, to change your mind and go a different way. Go God's way. Some of you need to take 2018 and say, I need some new friends. These friends are influencing me the wrong way. You need to make some decisions. Make some changes. See what God has for you. Else we want to move from glory to glory. 
ministry in churches that have died, it becomes more inward than outward. It becomes more of a just babysitting the members. I mean, though, I'm not here. None of the pastors or elders are here to babysit you. There wasn't enough amens on that one. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. I would say what you ladies say, but I'll just, I'll just say, guys, put your big boy pants on. Let's, let's go with this thing. That's enough, you know. <laughs> Members idolize another era, another era the way it used to be. You mean you get carried to school? I used to walk 20 miles to school. Living in the past. We got to move past the past. And those days aren't coming back. Kids aren't going to all of a sudden start walking 20 miles to school again. It's not coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's time to move forward. And, you know, I think about uh, music. Well, Pastor, I, I love the hymns. Let's get the old hymn books back. No. I, I love the hymns too. They're, they're beautiful. Sing them at home. I love the contemporary sound of what God's doing now. Amen? Doesn't mean they're not beautiful, and you can listen to them. And we sing them every once in a while with a contemporary beat to it. I can remember getting saved, and uh, I couldn't find any music to listen to. When the second chapter of Acts came, that group I just wore it out. It was so good to have something with a beat to it. I thought I was in heaven. Let me tell you a, a little secret. There used to be a group called Glad. How many remember Glad. I'm glad there's only, okay, it's two of us. <laughs> well, anyway, they did an interesting thing. They went through and showed the history of the, the hymns. And do you know the hymns are made from tunes that came from bars and pubs? I'd say you're shocked. Yes, they went in these popular tunes of the day, the style of the day, and they took it and they put Christian lyrics to those barroom songs, tunes, and there are hymns. Oh. Didn't know that, Pastor. I know. What I'm saying is, Things change, and we can, we can adjust with the times. It doesn't mean our message changes. Our message stays the same. I had a dream years, years ago. I'll, I'll never forget it. A man, uh, there was two men. They both had a, a basket. They were going into uh, two fields, wheat fields, right next to each other. They both went at the same time, same weather, same conditions. They come in. And one guy comes out, he has uh, one kernel 
Guess it was corn in his basket. The other one is overflowing. He can hardly carry it. And the Lord said, what's the difference? Me and my wisdom said, you know, Lord. Didn't know. And he said, it was the method. They both had the same message. But the method was different and brought in the harvest. Said, Lord, I will adjust the method if I need to adjust it. I had a person not too long ago, I forgot where I was, but I was sharing and I had my iPad, my Bible, and somebody said something. They said, Well, I, I would never use an iPad, my Bible. And I'm thinking, well, that's what I got. And so I figure I'm, I might as well spill the beans. Now, um, you've asked me to share here a couple of minutes. I, uh, this is my iPad. My Bible's in it. It's the Word of God. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Another thing that happens in churches is that die lack of team participation. Not enough serving. No one working with children, cleaning the church, ushering, greeting. All these things, nobody serves. They, they think someone else will serve, so there's no serving. They become sterile and don't reproduce. There's no fishing. There's no babies. There's some people I know that I love and they said their church is dying because there's no young people. And when the last one of this older one dies, the church is gone. Because they've never reached out to younger people. They've never done any fishing. So they're not bringing anyone into the family. You know what makes you take a, a couple that has a baby, you're talking about excitement. Parents are excited. Grandparents are excited. Co-workers are excited. We have liftoff. There's a pregnancy here. A baby. You know what? Life changes from then on. Nothing is ever the same. There's inconvenience. You woke up in the middle of the night. At least one of you are. Babies are messy. Babies cry. They poo-poo. It's a mess. But they're thrilling. It's a blessing. What a joy. And some people just don't want to mess with it. But it brings nothing like new life into a, a, a family. It's like a new birth. Another reason churches die, failure to reach the next generation. And this is where older people, we need older, older people because they need to be mentors, coaches. We need spiritual fathers and spiritual moms what we need these to bring wisdom and to minister, but also we need the older people to give some room to the younger people 
They may not look like us, but I can remember when I was a teenager, I can remember wearing some pants that were purple, big, thick, white stripes with bell bottoms <laughs> on the end of these clunkers and hair down the here, long hair. And my favorite words were cool, far out. I still kind of got cool today. Come think of it, I still kind of is cool. Don't use far out that much. But anyway, if we all, if we're, we're truthful, we were, we're different. But so you give space because you love. And these people, we need the young and the old. We need everyone. That's what a church is, every age, every race. All people are welcome into the family of God. Hallelujah. Another reason churches die is facilities deteriorate. They need painting, they repair, lights they replaced. But we, we want to do more than just maintain. We want to have excellence. You know, he's a God of excellence. And so we're to have an excellent spirit. That means we want things in its place and order. We all want things just piled up. We want clean, a clean nursery, clean bathrooms. You know, they have proven that, that people, when they see excellence, when they, and places are clean, that brings a comfort level to them. It, it's on a subconscious level. They feel more comfortable. Well, these people must care. They must put some value on me because their bathroom's clean. What do you do when somebody's coming to your house? I hope you clean up a little bit. Well, people are coming into God's house. And then last, it talked about pastors burning out and quitting. 90% of pastors work between 55 to 75 hours per week and says it has a negative effect on their family. It shouldn't be. We need all, all involved. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Then Mark 12, 30, And ye shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other com commandment greater than these. We talk about the vision of our church. It all fits into love God, love people, and serve the world. It comes from these two verses. And we're believing in 2018 that your love for God that you move forward in your walk and your love for him, that you move forward in your love for people and you're reaching out and touching other lives and you move forward in your service as a son or daughter of God, reaching and touching 
being the, uh, you know, you can be a blessing and that can open the door. You can go serve someone and bless them. That can open the door for you to share the life of God. God has given us wisdom. And he says, the greatest in the kingdom is servant of all. Some things about our church that leads of legacy, it's a church committed to reaching the lost. And I'm talking about laws to don't know Jesus and those who are spiritual orphans who don't have a church home because God has called every single person to be attached and be planted into a church home where you can grow. But I thought about this. Jesus said he would leave the 99 and go after the one. And I have to stir myself and remind me myself to to keep pressing for souls, to, to reach out and touch, plant seeds, water seeds, weed, pull up weeds. Keep doing those things because Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 like, like you and me. I'll leave them and go after the one that they can be a part of the family of God. Churches that leave a legacy make disciples and mature believers. We have our growth track. And these things are to get people started in discipleship and to be connected to the church in one-on-one. The, the disciplines, the basic disciplines of le- learning and walking as a Christian in 201, in 301, what makes you tick? What is your tendencies where you can uh, look and evaluate uh, and discover what you're called to do? You know, God has gifted you and you can... Uh, walk in the place of this is a joy to be doing, this is a passion of my heart, you shouldn't be doing something that you're miserable at. It should be something in you that connects with the gifting of God that says, I, ha- I take joy in this. This is a pleasure for me to go and, and, and go to work or wherever it is. Then we have our dream team that, that give you a place to serve because service in the kingdom of God is the way up, is the way to promotion, is the way to increase. Also, we give all our resources away free. We're a church that embraces the power of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in praying in the Spirit. We believe in God directing our prayers. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God heals that God does miracles, signs, and wonders today. We embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. We're a church that values the teaching of God's Word for maturity of the saints. Now, I've seen people, when they get spooky or weird, uh, they're just living from an experience. They leave the Word of God. And when you leave the Word of God, you get spooky, you get weird. And you wind up ignoring what God's Word says. So we want to firmly be established and equipped in what God's Word says. We're a church where members are empowered to actively serve to advance the cause of Christ. We want you to get out of the grandstand of of being a spectator and get down into the game and be be serving, be working in the harvest field. We want you, you know what? It's a whole lot more fun to play the game than to watch it. 
Get into the game. Get, stop sitting. Get up and get in the game. What is the game? It's the game of life. Life and death are at stake. And God has called us to be his ambassadors. He's called us to leave a legacy. Hallelujah. You know, I grew up in a, a generation that, that worked hard. Uh, you, you went to church, that you served at that church, that was your church. And, uh, you know, it's, it's changed, you know, through the years. And you know, I don't want to speak, speak things. I believe we're, we're different. Our, our kids here are different. But uh, you look as a, a whole, there's, there seems to be more entitlement now. And, and maybe there's not this uh, hard work um, character that is in people anymore. Yet, the Word of God tells us that Jesus became a humble servant and served. It's what God's called us to do. Is there another way? Yes, another way, but you won't leave a legacy. And see, when I think about legacy, this, you know, I had a guy one time tell me, he was married, and he said, I'm thinking about making a move on this, this lady. <clears throat> he said, what do you think? I said, well, I... I think you can do that, but let me ask you one thing first. You have a, a little girl, right? Yes. Are you fine with that little girl being on another man's lap at Christmas? Are you fine with another man making love to your wife? Are you fine with a daughter feeling betrayed by her own dad who abandons and turns his back on her mother. Are you prepared for that? If you are, go ahead. And he said, no. See, this life is bigger than us. Your life affects those around you. Your life affects your children. It affects your grandchildren. It's more than us. And I want to leave a legacy of faith. I want to inspire someone to serve God. I want them to be able to say he was generous. He walked in love. I know you do too. But we have to make a decision. You have to make a, a line in the sand and say, I'm going forward with God. I'm moving forward. No turning back. God has saved me. I'm radically been saved by the blood of Jesus. He paid the price for me. And I'm moving forward. I'm going forward with him. I don't care what hell brings against me. I'm going with Jesus. I'm moving with him. And God will bless and God will prosper and God will be on the 
the sea, for those that have that determination that there's no turning back. I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about being willing to humble yourself. And when you end your imperfections, that you say, I'm wrong. I've blown it. To be humble in your imperfections, owning it, is the way to move to being perfect. Because that is the right solution to that issue because none of us are perfect. But own it and repent and walk through it. Don't hang around there. Don't camp out there. Don't get stagnant there because once you get stagnant, you're going to find yourself backing up. You got to forgive. You got to let some things go. Let the past go and move forward with God. Got down here, every believer's a minister. A church that believes and invests in children and teenagers. Boy, I love our young people. We got some awesome youth pastors. And we're after our children. We're after our teenagers. That's when most people get saved, before age 12. We got to go after them. So we invest in them. We believe they're the church of now. I thank God for all the teenagers that serve in this house. What a blessing. Amen. A church that places a high priority in relationships and building healthy marriages and families. We believe no one is designed to be alone. Even if you're a single or single parent, whatever, we believe that God connects you to a church. There's people that connect with you. And you're never to be alone. A church that reaches beyond the walls of a building to minister Christ to the world. Listen to this. The Bible records Jesus' interaction with 132 people. Six were in the temple. Four were in the synagogue. 122 were made in the field of life. That means we're touching people out there. And many, I hear the testimonies that you're ministering and witnessing the people. Some of you are leading people to the Lord. And, and listen, it thrills my heart. If you're off somewhere and you lead them to the Lord and they, they're too far from here, I'm thrilled that they're in the family of God. Amen? That's making a difference. It's doing what we're called to do. I put down here some ways to connect to harvest. You invite others to connect is one way. Don't wait, you know, I want to connect with my friends. You connect with them. <laughs> connect with your friends. Or you're at, you're at church and you, you see someone, invite them out to eat. Connect with them. Connect with people. We have small groups. We have men and women's uh, events. We got Sunday school, Harvard School of Ministry. Yeah, before and after service, we got special events like our New Year's Eve celebration. We, we got all these things 
that we can connect together because we are family. Amen? Let me talk to you a little bit about this year. Uh, we have some exciting news. 2018 is a transition year for us. And what that means, um, in 2018, Pastor Rob and, and I will be co-pastors because in 2019 of January, he will be our senior pastor. And amen. And what this means is, and of course, Shauna will be right there by his side. And these two, uh, Ella and I are very proud and I've, they've grown. This has been in the works for a long time and been uh, a, a place of prayer. And I, I have total confidence in these two. I have total uh, confidence in you as the family to, to support and, and be there, you know, for them. This year of transition, uh, it's just uh, uh, there's some things that the Lord has laid on my heart that I want to make sure it's in place because I want the best, uh, you know, for them. Now, after the year's up, Ellen and I are not going anywhere. I have no desire to retire. The fire of God still burns in me. I'll be preaching. I'm still, still going to be here. We just will not be fulfilling that role of senior pastor. So uh, I want you to know you're still going to be seeing Ellen and I. Our faces are going to be around there because we love you and we, we want to be with you. And, uh, you, and you, you definitely are our family. So this, uh, this is exciting stuff. Uh, once you know that I had this confirmed to me several times, uh, actually three different times after the, the Lord gave me the, the clearance on this, um, Pastor Kirk was one of them. He just recently went through this, and uh, I called him. He started laughing. Uh, the same thing was happening there. Uh, Willie George, same thing. Uh, happened in Bob Yandian, same thing. So all these were just confirmations. That's the way the Lord does me. It's just like um, wherever he'll, he'll speak, he'll bring confirmation after confirmation. So I know we're at the right timing. We, I know this is God's plan because God wants this church to continue to march forward, to outlive me, to outlive us. You'll, you'll be called some of the beginning folks of harvest. Because <laughs> I believe it, uh, until the Lord comes, we're to march on. We are to continue. Amen? But I want to say this. Church, let's be the church. Let's live a life that will be remembered. Let's leave a mark now, somebody told me one time, I will leave a mark in the world. My question to you is, which world? I want to make a mark in that world. When I do that, I'm making one here too. Amen. That's our heads. Well, I asked you a question this morning. Maybe you're calling Jesus Lord, but you know something's missing. Something's not right. 
He said there would be those that call him Lord, and he said, I didn't know you. And they'll be cast out. The difference is relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you living for him? If you don't have that relationship, you're headed to the wrong place. But today, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Maybe you prayed this before and you know you're not right with God. But you can get right with him right now. And you can call upon him as Lord and Savior. No one looking around. I want you to lift your hand if you'd like prayer. Say, I'm coming home. I'm coming to Jesus now. I give up and I surrender. Thank you, Lord. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that he died in my behalf and he was raised from the dead. I say this with my mouth. I believe it in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you. I give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.